Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Hello, Legacy Nashville church family. I am stoked to be here with you today for Church Online. I want to say welcome into the house of God, no matter what nation you're watching this from, what neighborhood you're watching this from, all throughout Nashville, you are a part of this family today. I love you. I miss you. I'm super pumped on us rolling out the phases for re-entry. Notice I didn't say reopening. I'm saying re-entry because the, clo- the, the church has never closed. Can I get two good amens? It's always been open. We've been worshiping together. We've been praising God together. We've been reading the scripture together. We've received communion in our home. I don't know if anybody's been baptized in a bathtub yet, but hey, look, we're having church, everybody, and we are in the process of reentry. So stay up to date on the schedule, and before too long, before you know it, church family, we're going to be back together in fellowship, worshiping as legacy again. So take heart, be patient. We're going to get together soon. For today, we're going to dive right back in to our sermon series, Presence People. Now, I don't know if you're going to do this with me today or not, but just speak over yourself. Just, you know, put a hand on your chest. Say, I am a presence person. Amen. Do you believe that yet, church? Say, I am a presence person. I love the presence of God. I'm aware of the presence of God. I am familiar with the presence of God. I am hungry for the presence of God. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to continue just in that line of thought of being presence people as we look to the scripture in Acts chapter 16. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. We're going to be turning to Acts chapter 16 today. And we're going to be reading verses 25 all the way to verse 34. Uh, This is a really, really great story. So I can't wait to dive into it with you. So grab your Bible, grab your coffee, grab your highlighter, grab your iPad or whatever you're using to watch today's service. And let's read this together. If you can, read it out loud in your home. Just release the word of God into your home. Acts 16 Verse 25 through 34. Here we go. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Now, I know for a lot of folks, we read that and we're like, that guy's nuts. Like, why in the world would he be preparing to kill himself, right? But in this day and age, the culture was for prison guards, if anybody escaped on your watch for escaping prison, the sentence was death. And for a prison guard allowing a prisoner to escape, the sentence was death. So he, he knew what was coming to him 
if he got found out that he wasn't on his watch all night. So he sees the doors are open. He said, man, all of my prisoners have escaped. I know what my sentence is going to be. So I'm going to go ahead and end it all right now. He gets his sword out. He's getting ready to kill himself. But then the apostle Paul, the Bible says that he cried out with a loud voice. Do not harm yourself for we are all here. Not just Paul and Silas, but all of the, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and he rushed in and he's trembling with fear and he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and he said to them, sirs, notice their respect. Notice the honor, right? We don't even know. This actually may have been one of Paul and Silas's previous persecutors. He may have just been taking part in beating them prior to imprisoning them. And then now this prison guard becomes aware that something special is going on with Paul and Silas, that they are walking in a different kind of presence. And he honors them by saying, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that the path to salvation, church? That if we will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. You This is what they say to him, you and your household. I I love that. I love that because all throughout the New Testament, it's like somebody gets saved, the whole house gets saved. And I'm I'm just believing that for you and for your house. If you're a part of a household where not everybody's walking with Jesus, I just declare that in this season, they can't go anywhere anyway, that they are affected by your faith in a supernatural way and that they come to Jesus before we get out of this season. In Jesus' name. And so verse 32, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Verse 33, and he took them the same hour that night and he washed their wounds. Now he's, care, he's, he's giving care for them and he washed their wounds. And then he was baptized at once, he and his entire family. Then he, he brought them up uh, into his house and he set food before him and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And he rejoiced. Our passage today both starts and ends with praise. Amen. That is what presence people do all the time is we praise. So today, what I'd like to do is preach to you from the topic, praise and prison bars. All right. That's the title of my sermon today, praise and prison bars. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your everlasting word. Lord, we thank you for your everlasting faithfulness that no matter if we find ourselves today in a prison cell of life, you are in there with us. And Lord, I just thank you that your presence is stronger than any form of handcuff or shackle. Lord, it's stronger than any form of bondage. And I pray that your presence today would go forth into homes and into living rooms and kitchens and offices and through cell phones all over the world today. And that your presence would be released in power and strength and that you would bring deliverance to each and every person who is a part of this message today and their household In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. So let me give you a little context for what's happening here in this story. Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey, right? They're traveling around, and they're preaching the gospel. And then 
At one point in time in their journey, there is a girl who is actually a slave girl and she is making money for her owners as a medium telling the future, right? And so that's kind of what's happening in the story. And this girl begins to follow Paul and Silas and she starts to shout, um, these, these are men of God. They're, they're coming to proclaim the way of salvation. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think that that was a bad thing to say because it was true. But remember, truth shared in the wrong spirit isn't good. And this is what's happening in this story. This girl, she's, she's proclaiming the truth, but she's creating the wrong atmosphere because she's of a different spirit, right? She's possessed by demons. After some time, Paul starts to get agitated, the Bible says, which, hey, that happens to every man and woman of God. At some point, they just get a little agitated, (laughs) you know? So Paul turns around and he doesn't speak to the girl, remember this, but he speaks to the demon. And he says, he basically rebukes the demon. Demon, get out of this girl. The girl gets supernaturally delivered, right? So the bondage that she's in, the prison that she's in, both by the demons and her traffickers, because that's essentially what's happening here. She gets freed. She's delivered. She comes out of the prison that she's in. Well, now the owners of the girl are so angry because Paul has now messed with their money. And, and, and I, we don't have to dive too deep into that, but you know how people get whenever you start messing with their money, when you start messing with their politics. You know what I mean? And this guy, he's angry. They're like, man, this is our money. This is our income. We had this girl imprisoned for the purpose of our income. And now that she's set free, we can't use her anymore to make money. So we're angry at Paul and Silas and we're going to have you guys arrested. So a crowd gathered around them, beat them. The Bible says, just go back before verse 25, which we read today, and just read a little bit of the context. They get beaten, right? Then they get thrown into prison. And then at the end of the night, they're in prison singing. Now, notice that Paul and Silas were punished for doing good. They hadn't done anything wrong. They had been wrongfully imprisoned. Paul and Silas, they didn't deserve to be in prison. They didn't deserve to be bound. Not at all. But nonetheless, there they are, beaten incredibly badly, and then they're thrown into prison alongside a whole lot of other criminals. Didn't deserve to be there. They're in a place, church, where their backs are against the wall, and the only solution that they have is to praise God. Have you ever been there before where you are stuck in a situation and you didn't do anything to deserve your circumstance? I want you to think about that for a second because I have a feeling there's probably a lot of folks who are there today. You didn't do anything but try to do good and there you are stuck in a situation that feels like prison. I know I've been there before. I know you've been there before. There's a lot of folks who are there. And as Christians, when all we have left to do is pray, that's what we do. Like Paul and Silas, we just start to pray and to praise, right? Well, I remember there was a time in in my own journey with the Lord. And like Paul and Silas, I was on a missionary journey. I, I wrote it down today and I don't share a whole lot of stories about my missions time. Maybe I ought to share more, but I couldn't help but to think about a precious girl that I met in the nation of India as a missionary that was somewhat similar to the precious girl in Acts chapter 16. And I was, I was there in India as a missionary, and I met this girl. Her name was Anitha. She had been sold by her own parents 
into forced labor and she was being used as a modern day slave and prostitute. And that's where I met Anitha working in the rock quarries in central India. And as I got to know her a little bit, um, she, she shared with us her story, what was going on in her life, and she was trapped. She was stuck. She was imprisoned. And I tried to go talk to her owners and to a few other folks to see if there was any way we could negotiate some kind of a term for her release. So we offered them money. We did everything that we could. But her owners, they said, there is no way we're going to allow this girl to walk free. There is no way we're going to let Anitha get free from this prison that we have her in. And I remember one time the guy, the guy said to us, he said, do you have any idea how much money that this girl makes me? I remember him saying that after a few days and us pestering him saying, look, man, we don't care. We raised money to, to help kids uh, and, and we would offer you whatever we have so that we could get this girl out of this prison. I remember that was a few days into the negotiations and I remember he threatened us. He said, I don't want the name of Jesus being spoken in my rock quarries. And if you come back here, I'm going to have you killed. I'm a powerful man. I remember that experience, and it's funny because I don't actually remember feeling a ton of fear. If anything, I just felt like, hey, we don't have anything left to do but to pray, and that's where God likes to show up. Like, I've read this passage before. I've read multiple passages like it before. When all you have left to do is praise, it's a good time to start singing and to start shouting and to start believing. Because church, we serve a God that's a prison breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a prison shaker, right? And when all you have left to do is praise and you engage in that, God loves to show up because then it's undeniable who it is that's bringing the breakthrough and it's undeniable who is deserving of the glory when it takes place, right? And so this is what happened in India. And I just remember telling the team there, I said, look, we don't have any more money. We don't have any better terms for negotiation. I don't know what else to do. I've never tried to rescue anybody from human trafficking before. I think I must have been like 24 years old. It's about 10, 11 years ago now. And I said, but we do know how to pray. We do know how to praise and we do know how to fast. And I remember we just, we just started worshiping God like she was already set free. That's what we started to do. We just said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start praising and rejoicing for the opportunity to meet this girl and to bring breakthrough into her life. God, we worship you like she's already free. I remember we did that for several days. And the good news is just after a couple of days later, we did see Anitha's freedom. We did uh, get the opportunity to bring her home and bring her in as part of our children's home uh, there in India and see her get good medical care and counseling and treatment and therapy and an amazing education and be a part of an incredible family. And, and, and I remember that as being a testimony of what happens when all you have left is just a praise. So I, I remember that happening. I, I'm remembering that this week as I'm reading through this scripture and I'm thinking about you and, and I'm thinking about your journey. I'm thinking about the missionary journey that you're on walking through life. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, COVID and, and, and how a lot of folks out there right now may be feeling like the living room is starting to look like a prison. You know, stay, stay at home orders have now become uh, they feel like stuck at home orders. And, and you're like you're in this place. Where you're like, I've run out of options. I've lost my job. I've lost my relationships. I, I'm, I'm in relationship with the person I'm stuck at home with, and that ain't going so good. And I just feel stuck. 
I, I don't feel like I have any other options uh, but to pray. Maybe some of you guys feel like you're in, in even a financial prison with losing your job. You lost your income. You've lost everything. Maybe some people feel like you're in that relational prison. Or maybe some of you guys out there today, church, you just feel stuck in general. Like you're either stuck in the season that you're in and, and have been in for a long time, or you just, you just honestly feel like there's no progression in your life whatsoever. You're like, I've been at the same job, doing the same thing, pursuing the same goals. Nothing has changed for me. I'm just stuck. I'm in prison. I'm staying in the same spot. I'm not moving. I remember an old man told me one time, uh, he said, you know, uh, the difference in a rut and a, and a grave is at a grave is a rut. It just has the ends hollowed out. And he said, don't mistake, uh, you know, saying, oh, I'm just in a rut. No, you might be in a grave. All right, you, you, you need to get up. You're not stuck. You just stopped. Remember that, church. I remember this man, he said, he said, you're not stuck. You just stopped. Get up, clean yourself off, do it again, right? But some of you guys, you feel like you're in that place today where you're like, I'm in a prison. I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to go. And uh, I know a lot of times it preaches real good to talk about uh, breakthroughs. But some of you guys today, you need to break out. You are genuinely just in this place of confinement, and you don't just need a breakthrough, but you need a break out. You've not been moving for a really, really long time. And I know some people in this season have exhausted every option they have at their disposal. There's no other place for you to go but prayer. There's no other thing for you to do but praise and worship. Paul and Silas were there in prison. I know I've been there before in my life. Maybe you're there right now. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like to be stuck. You know what it's like to be confined. And you know what it's like to feel like you're in a prison. Some of you guys have been in an actual prison. And uh, you know what it's like to feel stuck there. But here's what you need to know, church, is that God loves to work in this space. How do I know? How, how, did, how did Paul and Silas even rejoice in the midst of, of being in prison? It's because they knew that God loved to work in this space. This is how I know. Acts chapter 5, right? The apostles, they were imprisoned, but then they were supernaturally freed from a prison by an angel in Acts chapter 5. Look at Acts chapter 12. Peter was in prison. Remember, the church was praying for him. They were afraid. They were huddled up in their house. Peter is then supernaturally freed from prison by an angel at himself, just like Acts chapter 5. And here we are in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas are supernaturally freed from prison by an earthquake, right? And so Paul and Silas, they could praise God with confidence because they knew that the situation that they were in was not actually that abnormal. They had already heard testimonies from their brothers, from the apostles, from other people who had been wrongfully imprisoned for doing good, and they had been set free by the supernatural power of God. And that is who our God is, Legacy Church family. He is a God of deliverance. Can somebody please Say amen. Scream at the YouTube. Yell at the Facebook. Come on, you guys get with me today. Our God is a chain breaker. Now, now Paul and Silas, they were in rough shape. I mentioned to you guys earlier, not only were they in prison, but they had also been essentially beaten, kind of tortured, right? Acts chapter 16, verse 22 through 23 says, 
the crowd joined in attacking them. So it wasn't just the leaders or the, uh, let's just say police or whatever, the law enforcement, but the crowd joins in, they're attacking, and the magistrates, they tore the garments off of them, so they're stripped of their clothing, right? And then they give orders. They say, beat these guys with rods. And and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, the Bible says, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safe safely. So I want you to imagine the state of Paul and Silas as they are thrown into what is, the Bible actually says is like kind of the inner portions of the prison. So imagine no windows, total darkness, right? You have gotten mobbed by a crowd. You've gotten beat up very badly. Like you have been stripped of your clothing. Your clothes have been ripped off. You can imagine how scary that was. And then, and then beaten with rods and then chained up and then thrown into the inner prison. Like that is the situation that Paul and Silas find themselves in the midst of. And notice that they didn't say, well, it must not be God that we're preaching the gospel. Well, we must have missed it. We must have messed up. We must have some hidden sin in our lives. We, we, you know, we, we, they didn't do any of that. that. God must not actually be as good as, as, as the word of God says he is. God must not actually be able to rescue us from our situation after all. God favors that other person, but not me because God rescued them in Acts 5 and Acts 12, but he's not going to rescue me in Acts 16. I know they didn't know that this story was going to be written about them. But you don't see any of that with Paul and Silas at all. They didn't question the goodness of God. They didn't question whether or not they had heard God. They didn't question whether or not they were in the will of God. They didn't even, you don't even see them questioning, like, am I under some kind of a demonic attack? This must be warfare, getting the best of me. I'm losing the fight. No, no, they didn't do any of those things, church. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, the Bible tells us this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Are you serious? Paul and Silas, they are in prison. They have been beaten with rods. They have been attacked by a crowd. They have been stripped naked. And now the Bible says that they are praying and singing hymns. You may, ex- you may be expecting them to like pray from some kind of a desperation, but no, no. They are praising God joyfully in chains. What is it that they really have to thank God for anyway? Right? It's a, it's a, it's a worthy question, right? What is it that they have to thank God for? Well, as you know, we praise God for what he's done and we worship God for who he is. The Bible says it's about midnight. So it's, it's, it's late into the night and this is not a time to praise This is not a time to think about the things that God has done because they hadn't really seen God do anything yet, or had they? You know, this is not a time to rejoice. It's midnight. It's the end of the day. It's a time to be quiet. It's when the day is finished. It's when the fear sets in, right? You know, midnight, it's late at night. You're attacked by your own thoughts. This is when anxiety sets in. This would not be a time to sing, right? Uh, They don't want to wake up their tormentors, do they? It's not a time to sing. They'd better get some rest because tomorrow might get worse, right? It's not a time to worship. They need to be wise and they need to start inspecting their wounds, caring for each other, right? They've been through so much. Why not just wallow in the moment? Why not just take the opportunity to feel sorry for themselves? Why not just allow themselves to dive deep into self-pity? 
They've been doing all this work for God. God didn't protect them. They're attacked. Now they're bleeding. They're naked. They're chained up with a bunch of other criminals that deserve to be there, but not them. They've been wrongfully imprisoned. Some of you guys feel like this today, church. Some of you guys feel like I am wrongfully put in the place I'm in. I don't deserve it. I was trying to do good. I cannot believe this happened. God has not been as good to me as that preacher said one time. That's not the case for me and for my life. I am in prison. I am in confinement. I better just, you know, feel sorry for myself and lick my wounds because my life is not going to get any better. That is not what Paul and Silas did. You know what they did? They released a praise that broke prison bars. And that's what I want to teach you how to do today. I want to teach you how to release a praise that will break the prison bars in your life. I want to I want to just share with you from the word of God how to release a praise through your life, how to release a shout out of your heart, how to release worship unto the Lord despite your circumstance that will break every single prison bar that stands in the way of where God has called you to to go. You're not going to stay in that rut. You're not going to stay in that grave. You're going to step up and you're going to step out and God is going to champion you as you worship and as you praise and rejoice in him. Somebody say amen. Here's how to release praise that breaks prison bars. Number one, guess what guys? I got three points. I know I, I wasn't at team night, right? Because the baby. But listen, Pastor Rick, I listened back to it. Pastor Rick said, hey, Pastor Liz always got four points. I told him the fourth point, that's where the glory is, okay? But listen, I only have three points today, guys. So I'm, I'm, so I'm gonna pull up, you know, I'm gonna go Pastor Rick's flow and I'm gonna do three points, all right? Just three points. I don't know, a fourth one may come to me as we're going, okay? But here's the three points. Number one, here's how you release a praise that breaks prison bars. Number one, you remember what God has done. Whenever you're stuck, here's what I want you to do. If you're stuck today, I want you to sit down after this service and I just want you to take 10 minutes and I want you to make a list and start to write down the things that God has done for you. Because here's the guarantee. And if you can't remember a lot, just pray first, ask the Holy Spirit for help. And then I want you to begin to write down, make a good list. And as you thank God for what he's done in the past, you'll notice something starts to happen in your heart. As you thank God for what he's done in the past, you'll start to stir up confidence in the spirit for what he's about to do in your present. You know, a lot of people talk about how the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The two words I want you to recognize there are testimony and prophecy. The word testimony in the Bible essentially means do it again, God. Right. And so anytime we start to testify of what God has done, we start to prophesy about what God is about to do. So if you're going to break chains, break prison bars off of your life and get out of where you're currently stuck, the first thing you have to do, church, the first thing you have to do, presence person, is you have to remember the things that God has already done. It was not even a day before. It was like minutes before. Paul had just prayed for this demonized slave girl to be delivered and she was delivered. So like, It's completely illegal for Paul to start doubting the delivering power of God after having witnessed deliverance in the slave girl just five minutes before they were attacked, right? He's like, if God would deliver her, God will surely deliver me from this prison. Think about somebody right now that you know that God has delivered, saved, set free, come off, they come off drugs, they've come out of prison, they've come out of a bad relationship, they've recovered from a divorce. Whatever it is, if you start to testify, you start to prophesy. As you start to list, this is the things God has done, you start to remind your soul of God's actual character and what is about to be possible in your own present. 
All right. Psalm chapter nine, verse one says this. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Isn't that good, church? That's a good word right there. Psalm 91. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Give that a shot for an hour. It is impossible. God has done so many good things in your life. So many good things in your life. And if you think you got it rough now, just think back to two weeks before you were saved. That's a good exercise for you. Just remember all the good things that God has done. Okay, here's point two. Point two is this. Don't just remember the truth. All right, go with it, church. Sing the truth. Don't just remember the truth. Sing the truth. Now, this is a key. This is praise that breaks prison bars right now. Because when Paul and Silas shouldn't have been singing, they should have been weeping. What did they decide to do anyway? You have to choose to praise. You can praise God for what he's done. You can praise God for what he's about to do, but you have to make the choice. You cannot make the choice to sit in self-pity and wallow in rejection. You have to decide in the midst of your confinement, in the midst of your prison, I'm going to choose to praise God for what he's done and what he's about to do, and I'm going to do it through singing. You know why? Because I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit Church is a singing spirit. That's what my friend Lamar Boschman says. The Holy Spirit is a singing spirit that he sang over us at creation, that he sings over us. Think about Zephaniah 3, chapter 17, that he sings, he dances over us. He shouts over us with joy, with exultation. Like God, God loves singing. Heaven is going to be music all over the place. Read the book of Revelation. Like God loves to hear us sing. And it's not just some well-rehearsed, auto-tuned type of chorus. I'm talking about a song that comes straight from the heart, even in the midst of your pain or bondage, that you just start rejoicing and you just start singing from your heart. You just begin to make melody to the Lord and you say, you know what? My circumstance may not seem fitting, but I'm going to worship the Lord anyway. Hallelujah. We love you, God. You're worthy, Holy Spirit. You're amazing, Father. I thank you for your goodness. It's just me worshiping. I'm not going to sing on camera because my singing is, who knows, I might sing by the end of it. I might just get with it and sing for you guys. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. What does it say? It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all of your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But be filled with the Spirit. You know, it's interesting to me that a byproduct of being filled with the Spirit is that you just start singing. And it happens when you are filled with joy, you just start singing. What happens at parties? What happens when you're having fun? You're making music and singing, right? That's how heaven's going to be. It's got, we're going to worship God. There's a unique power in the song. That's why we have to choose to sing. Look at Psalm 149, verse 6 says, this should be a tattoo or something. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Come on, I'm going to take a lap around my podium. Just right. That is powerful, isn't it? May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. You've heard this before, I know, but worship really is warfare. And that's what this verse of Scripture is alluding to. That, that worship is our warfare. And, and even the word here praises the word Tehillah, which is the spontaneous song. It's the song that comes forth from the heart. It's not a pre-written song. It's a song that comes, it comes bursting forth from the interior of the worshiper. 
And that's the type of worship that uh, really, really moves the heart of God. And I, I got to get Lamar to come in sometime or at least maybe get him on a Zoom. I did an IG live with him and he broke this down, guys. Lamar Boschman, you got to look him up. He's worthy of a follow because he, he really has some revelatory insight on spontaneous worship. And when we do spontaneous worship, what we do is we engage in spiritual warfare and that warfare allows God, it's not that he can't, but we know Psalm 22 says that he is enthroned on the praises of Israel. He's enthroned on the praises of his people, meaning as we start to praise, that, that same word there, praise, that's the same word, Tehillah, by the way. It's the spontaneous song. As we start to praise, as we start to sing, as we start to make melody uh, to the Lord and worship God from our hearts, you know what happens? God begins to rest in that atmosphere. And that's where supernatural miracles break forth. That's where supernatural things start to take place, like prison foundations start to shake in your life. It's whenever the fetters that have been locked around your ankles for season after season start to rumble and shake and you're being set free by the power of God. That's the atmosphere where deliverance miracles start to take place. It is the atmosphere of the spontaneous worship because worship is our warfare. So it's about midnight. Paul and Silas, they're praying and singing hymns, right? And then all of a sudden, what happens? The foundations of the prison are shaken. Immediately, all the doors are open. See, praise is our part, church, but opening prison doors is God's part. If we'll do our part, God will do his part. If you're stuck today, let me ask you, have you praised God until the foundations of that prison you're stuck in are shaken? Have you prayed and praised God to the extent that your chains could fall off? Or have you just in passing momentarily said, Lord, if you get time, could you help me? No, no. Have you, have you remembered what God has done for you in the past? Have you written it down? Have you worshiped God for what, for, for what he's done in the past and for what he's about to do? Have you praised him joyfully? Have you rejoiced? Have you thought on those breakthroughs of the past, begin to, you know, laugh and smile and say, wow, God, you're amazing. Look what you've done. This is incredible. And sang from that place. Here's point three. Point three, and we're closing, all right? Point three is this. Praise in public because people are listening, all right? This is point three. Praise in public because people are listening. Now, a lot of people don't notice that the Bible says this, but when you read that first verse that we read today, verse 25, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and, this is key, and the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. Can you imagine the curiosity of the prisoners? I'm talking about the people who deserve to be there. I'm talking about the people who had man-made that wilderness that they were living in. I'm talking about the people who were living in sin. I'm talking about the people who had made mistakes and, and justice demanded that they be put into prison. I'm talking about those folks. Can you imagine the curiosity of those folks as they listen to the, these two men who have been imprisoned, had been stripped naked and beaten with rods, laugh and rejoice and sing these beautiful psalms that they had never heard before. And they are simply rejoicing. They have joy. They're praising God. Can you imagine how curious the prisoners were? Who are those guys? How dare they have the audacity to have joy? I'm talking about audacious joy. Church, audacious joy. Paul and Silas had audacious joy and they began to praise the Lord despite the prison cell that they found them in. Let me tell you, when you go through a prison, people watch. When you go through hard times, people watch, particularly prisoners of sin themselves, particular people who don't know Jesus, particularly people who would never step foot in a church if their life depended on it, or so they thought. They watch how you suffer. 
People watch how you go through your bad days. And if you will go through your bad days just skipping along, rejoicing, singing, worshiping, praising, testifying, you know, releasing spontaneous song from your heart. Here's what I can promise is going to happen, that people are going to be impacted by your praise. Listen, guys, one of the most effective tools of evangelism is your praise in the midst of your problems. One of the most effective tools of evangelism is your praise in the midst of your problems. When you praise despite your circumstance, people who don't know God are going to know, what is that guy drinking? <laughs> what, 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 what's that guy on? What, what has he found out that I haven't figured out? What kind of understanding does he have about life that I don't have? Hey, man, what's going on with you? And you can share with them, here's what God's done in my life. That's why I'm singing. And then just like the jailer, right? They may come to you and say, man, how do I find that? How do I get that? And we see that, 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 Paul, that Paul and Silas are now looked to as leaders in the prison because of the joy that they carry. Obviously because of the supernatural miracle that God works, but they know, man, these dudes are presence people. They're walking in something else. They have the attention of the Almighty. Their song, their joy has caused our chains to fall off. And rather than run out and just leave and just you know, get free as quickly as possible. They, need, they knew they needed another type of freedom. They needed a higher measure of freedom. They didn't just need to be free from their temporary chains. They needed to be free from whatever it was that was keeping them back from being able to have joy in the midst of pain and suffering like Paul and Silas. So they said, what have you guys got? They're looking to Paul and Silas for leadership. How do we get saved? How do we get free? How do we come out of this prison? Not just the prison cell that we're actually in, but the prison cell of our soul. Now, I, I think for some of us, at least maybe for me, you know, you look at the jailer and he's getting ready to kill himself. I think some of us would be tempted to let him. You know, I mean, think about it. Like he, he very possibly was one of the persecutors. You know, he very possibly was the one who had just beat him up and, and ridiculed him and stripped him naked. He may have played a part in that, right? We don't know. And yet, and yet Paul understood that he had a greater cause in the midst of his prison. And that's what I want to remind you of, church, is that your prison is not all about you. All right. Now, I, I know folks don't always want to hear that because they want permission to wallow in their self-pity. I'm not going to give you that today. All right. I'm not going to give you that. Your prison is, is, is not all about you. Yeah, God can teach you some things in the midst of the prison. He can show you how to praise in the midst of the prison. But one of the things that you have to remember about where you are, that prison, that confined place, that place where you're stuck, that season where there's no progress, one of the things that you have to remember is that's not all about you. But that's the people that you're connected to. That's the sphere of your influence. That's your family members. That's your spouse. Listen to me, guys. That's your kids. That's your lineage, that's your heritage, that's your legacy, that's your university, that's your city, that's your neighborhood, all right? That, that is part of your impact. When you go through a prison, you have to understand that the prison is not just all about you. Think of Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Paul's saying, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That is Paul talking about how his prison was better for the advancement of the gospel 
because people could testify to the greatness of God that was taking place despite his circumstance. Listen, the way you praise in your prisons of life is going to affect other people's salvation. You're not just praising for yourself, but you're praising for others. Remember that, church. So as we prepare to pray now, I just I want to ask that the Lord would ignite a crazy praise in your spirit today. I, I want to I pray over you that despite your circumstance, despite the prison you may find yourself in today, despite the debilitating confinement that you may be, you feel like you're put in and you didn't even, you didn't even deserve to be there. You, you, somebody else put you there. You're, you are your actual victim. There, there's something that actually took place and now you're stuck there. Listen, I'm going to pray that a crazy praise would erupt from your spirit this afternoon, that you would stand up from the couch, that you'd lift your hands, that you'd lift your head up in confidence, knowing that your God has got you and that you can rejoice and that you can be free here. And as you release that crazy praise, that prison bars are going to break in half and that fetters will be shattered from off of our hands and feet and that you're going to step out into that free place that the Lord Jesus has ordained for you as abundant life. Two more scriptures, Romans 5 and 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. James 1 and 2 as we're closing. Count it all joy, brothers, that when you meet trials of various kinds, count it all joy. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for everyone's attention. I preach a little bit long, so I thank you, God, that you are going to move in the midst of all of this and really bless everybody who's uh, been a part of it today, God. I just pray that you would just, you would just start a rumble in their spirit today, God. I pray that as we remember what you've done for us, as we think about the testimonies and the breakthroughs and how you saved us, Lord, how you washed us with your blood, how you set us free, how you worked miracles in our life and our relationships. Lord, how you healed our bodies, Lord, how you cleansed our minds, God. We just praise you. We thank you for that. And as we begin to remember, Lord, we have every reason to rejoice. We have every reason to sing. We have every reason to shout. We have every reason to believe. And as we step foot into this place, God, we are believing that every single person that might be listening to us in the midst of this, God, they're getting free too. Lord, use us as an instrument for other people's freedom. God, use us. Use us as an instrument, God, for the deliverance of other people, for their spirit, their soul, and their mind, God. That's it. Church, I just want to encourage you. Just release a praise right where you are. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God, for every single thing that you've done. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. You're so worthy, God. You're going to get all the glory out of this prison in my life because I know who I am, because I know who my God is, and he is well able to set me free. All right, presence people, you keep praising. There's a lot of P's in there. There's a lot of alliteration. Presence people, keep praising till every prison bar gets broken. (laughs) In Jesus' name, you're all incredible. I can't wait to hug your necks. Soon, bless the person sitting next to you or text a few people and check on them. Tell them you love them. Thank you for coming to Legacy today, guys. Uh, We are just so blessed to have you as part of the family. Love y'all, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, 
love people, and go change the world.